You're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. The Catholic Psyche Podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not intended to take the place of medical or mental health treatment, therapy, or diagnosis. You should always consult a trained mental health or medical professional for such treatment. That is not what being pursued means. Drop a damn hanky and get him to notice you if you want him to ask you out. Do you know what drop a hanky means? You're giving me this Yes, look. I do. I, I assume I as much, but means. is it... Why don't you tell me just <laughs> so I don't yes. make an ass of myself? So, yeah. Okay. You can describe it, Sarah. If you have ever seen the Kira Knightley version of... Pride, Pride and Prejudice. Prejudice. Yes. <laughs> I know the exact scene you're talking about. For all of us ladies. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. One of Lizzie's sisters is at the parade watching the soldiers march through the town, and she flings a hanky out, and the tradition was that if you dropped a hanky in front of a man, or accidentally, he would pick it, pick up. it up and return it to you, thus providing an opportunity to meet and talk. See, that's not at all what I thought it was. So I'm very thankful I didn't say <laughs> yeah. something. I was like, oh, okay, you so drop that's, a hanky because you got to go the get drop it. a hanky okay. reference for all of us Jane Austen fans. Yes. But, but, yes, I mean, really, if you are interested, if a guy catches your attention. Get in his way. Get in his way. I mean. Get in his I, sight. Get in his side of, eye of sight. Yeah. Um, smile. Flirt. <laughs> Go watch this TED Talk called Hot Ape. Uh, I'm okay. serious. It's well, hilarious. Okay, that sounds weird. But okay. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it sounds weird. weird. But like, I, I met, just, as, just to give an example, I, I met my boyfriend by asking him to dance. I thought he was cute, and I wanted, I wanted to get to know him. It's okay. So I think, I think okay. where this all kind of started... Yeah. Was let's, let's a, a, a kind of concern that we had about the podcast, and I think this is now going to be the next week's podcast at this point, um, but what I think the concern was, was that we, we jumped to this sort of, we jumped past the first part of dating, which is the asking, and that sort of flirtatiousness that happens beforehand. Yeah. And I think that, in, in hindsight, is a mistake, because we're saying that most people don't have a problem with dating, okay. it's the the asking of the other person. I can speak from my experience, the most terrifying thing I've ever done. And I've done some terrifying things, but by far the most terrifying thing I've ever done was tell my wife how I felt about her when we were, you know, before we started dating. Because you're literally putting it all out there on the line. And that was absolutely horrifying. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes there's not an appreciation of that. I think sometimes in, you know, one of those catholic cultural uh talks that we you know the the sort of talks that we have about dating in general mm -hmm. it's this sort of like well just do it well just do it and it's like well to a certain extent yes but also honor the terror of the experience because it is terrifying yeah yeah honor that feel that like and then have spend some time with courage. it and then do it well yeah you have the courage, courage to some of the most terrifying things are the things that's worth most, like, like doing. Yeah. It really is. Are yeah. the most rewarding. 
I was just gonna, on the on the topic of uh, men having to to make the first move, I, I I had to remember the the Bible story. The, you know, they're really one of the only uh, explicit instances we have in the Bible of of um, romantic pursuit and seduction involves a woman making the first move on a man, and it's uh, Ruth and Boaz. <laughs> Damn, go Ruth. That is how you drop a hanky. <laughs> so she she okay, made, might be a little more direct than. Uh, than, than the church would, would uh, encourage. But she, doesn't she crawl into bed with him? Just essentially. She lies at the foot of the bed. Yeah. Come on. So, yeah, but, you know, so yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, don't conflate, you know, uh, don't conflate, you know, contingent Western 1950s uh, gender roles with the eternal natural law, etc. Yes. I'm just going to move this into a 50-minute conversation now that, that we've kind of move in, moved into this. Part two. This what is, is the role... You're listening to the... <laughs> Welcome to the Catholic Psyche, again. And now the music plays. Like, you right. know, in, 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 in like TV shows where there's like a little like intro segment. And right. You're listening to the Catholic Psyche podcast. Dating is, is serious. It is important. Yeah. Absolutely. So. What... I'm curious. What does the role of sexual attraction play? Ooh, have some <laughs> yeah if right? you can't uh, even imagine yeah, yourself sleeping with the person why are you dating them yeah i thought I, it was i thought sex was bad in a sin well i thought it was sinful to just kind of like have a sexuality so uh <laughs> typically what i find works best is to uh you know just completely uh castrate yourself before approaching any sort of romantic in- endeavor also, P.S. We have the puppy here today, so say hi to Sydney. She she finally woke up. So, um, yeah. So I mean, it obviously it plays one. I mean, uh, you're you're fond of quoting, uh, you know, Church Father St. John Chrysostom on, on the definition of marriage. Yeah. I, well, well, this is an interesting point, and this is where I I, I think we have to be I have to be careful um, living in a Roman world, is that you know we in the church say that marriage is got two ends, a procreative and a unitive marriage. Our purpose, and I think you know, yes, but the church fathers actually don't necessarily say that. My favorite quote from John Chrysostom, the the great golden throat, Saint John Chrysostom says that the end of marriage is licit fornication. That that's well, I mean, the you purpose can say, Paul, you know, of it's marriage. It's better to to marry than to burn, you know. With uh, you know, he he essentially says that it can. That that was traditionally one of the, also one of the ends of marriage, right? Is that like you have this desire built into you. You know, like in a, you, you need to, you need to find a healthy way to express it. So express it in interpersonal love. I'm sorry, this dog is really really cute. It's, she's so We're cute. Getting distracted. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so really the, profound though, from from a church father, no less. Well, and and there's significant, um, th- there's significant development on that. I think what's interesting about that quote from Paul is that it's clear that it says. If you are not able to be celibate, yeah. then take a wife. That is a treatment, that marriage is a treatment, um, that, there is, that there's a reason for that, and that, it, that it, it really should be looked at as not this sort of cold, stoic exactly. um, thing. I, stoicism, I, I maintain, has been present within the church from the very beginning. It's probably like one the of the worst, heresy, thing, yeah. the worst thing that has ever happened to us. Um, <laughs> but you have your own like narrative like I've got my like Occam ruined everything and like Descartes and Hume like ruined it extra and you have this like like 
like like Seneca and Marcus Aurelius are like the bad guys of Western history. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. But my point is, is that it it removes the sort of it makes everything this ethereal kind of concept where it's like um, there there needs to be no sexual side to marriage, right. and therefore there needs to be no sexual side to dating. And this is like and therefore there needs to be no sexual side to humanity. To humanity, and right. and, 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 and to be afraid of that. Yeah. In a big way. But we are made as sexual beings. Yes. That, and our Absolutely. sexuality is a good thing. One of the problems with the sexual revolution of the 1960s is that it didn't go far enough. And by that I mean what you end up getting with a sexually saturated culture that devalues sex is a sexually apathetic culture. Yeah. I, the statistics show that, uh, like, what, are they, what do they call the generation underneath millennials now? I mean, there's a book called iGen, so some people call them uh, iGeners because it's like the smartphone generation. But Is it Generation Z? Z? Yeah. I think it's Z. They I hook up the term Z, but go ahead. <laughs> they hook up so uh, with much less frequency. They're having so much less sex than any other generation. Really? And our generation had hooked up a lot less than gen, you know, Gen Xers and Gen Xers less than baby boomers. This is this is very interesting because, you know, a study just came out, I think it was the New York Times, that the divorce rate is dropping. Oh, with, millen- with millennials. millennials. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. There's, There's interesting reasons why. It's not just the why. obvious sort of, with all things with statistics. But I think what's interesting is kind of pulling it back here, this concept of that that sex is not present enough. It's not. Well, there's no... I can think of no way to have, you know, the quantity and quality of sexual fulfillment um, than, than in, the, in the configuration of monogamous traditional marriage. Say that again, because I was, no, I was distracted I mean, by the dog. I mean, hookup culture can never, can never possibly rise to the height of sexual fulfillment that one can find in a monogamous traditional sure. marriage. Well, and ironically, sexual frequency. That's um, what I'm saying, yeah. Very often. Yeah. yeah. That, that very often, the people who have, number one, the highest yeah. amount of uh, frequency of sex, of, of yeah. intercourse, and the most satisfaction... Is yeah. uh, in monogamous, in yeah. married monogamous, Christian married yeah. monogamous relationship. Right. And, and, and Grace and I are fond of, of bringing this point in too. You know, with consent, which is so important in any sexual encounter, so, so much of that is, um, involves the, uh, the attunement of the partners, right? Like you've been hearing a lot in the Me Too movement now about cases where it's not clear that there was an explicit transgression, but mm-hmm. after the fact, women felt uncomfortable with sexual encounters they had with certain celebrity men because of the way they felt this implicit or subtle coercion or misattunement that just kind of felt gross. Mm-hmm. And, and there's no way to grow in attunement and intimacy better than to be in a committed s- monogamous marriage. Where yeah. <laughs> you feel that yeah. safety with someone. And if that you doesn't mean safe that... in your marriage, that's a completely different topic. Well, yeah, I mean, right. that, that's the point that I'm saying is that that doesn't mean that there, that, that consent is not, uh, that that consent is always implied within marriage. And I think no, that's absolutely not. Thing. Or that marriages are always healthy. I just right. mean that, I just mean that, um, I just mean that there's a, fr- well, there, in a marriage, precisely there's a freedom to say no, because you know that you're not going to jeopardize your relationship with your spouse by saying no to some sexual act. I, Whereas on a hookup with, a, with some hotshot celebrity, you might. And I think that's the irony. Of that is that, ironically, people who feel the most sexual freedom tend mm-hmm. to be in monogamous, monogamous relationships. That's right. Yeah. 
which is just fascinating. Yeah, the sexual revolution got completely backwards, and now no one cares enough about sex, and it's like, you know, Japan is our is the harbing, harbinger of things to come, where there's this phenomenon of young people just being so completely apathetic that they're dropping out, and men go in their own their, way. Yeah, but I still think there's the op- yeah, but I think there's the opposite side, as always, the, you know, you have two extremes, mm-hmm. right? That you... The Catholics is like, okay, we can't have sex before marriage, so sex is bad, so I have to repress any sexual desire. Then they get married, and then they have no sexual desire, or Uh they don't know how to tap into that. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to let that exist. And then you have a sexless marriage, and misentunement, and feeling like you're not good enough or worthy because you're not... A sexual being. You're, because <laughs> your spouse isn't pursuing you in a sexual way. This is... I mean, I fe- sometimes feel like I gang up on Butler's Lives of the Saints like crazy. But like this is the insanity of St. Therese's parents that wanted a celibate marriage. Yes. Oh I mean, my gosh. That is not a virtuous thing. Their priest had yeah. to tell them, no, you're married. Have sex. It's so. good. So, I think yeah. on both sides, there is actually this, this phenomena within Catholic marriage on both ends, where it's this, this it can become, we need to repress every aspect of sexuality yeah. to the point where it's this, this, this really tight, white-knuckling thing yeah. Yeah. that we, we have to white-knuckle it through, through, through everything, and it becomes a sexualist marriage, which gets real weird fast. Not just Catholic, too. That's no, no. purity culture sure. in yeah. some of the Protestant Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Or it's, I've white-knuckled this, for five years, and now it's my wedding night, and I'm like, like, you're mine. It's this explosion, <laughs> and I think it's well, that could be unhealthy too. That can be no unhealthy too, yeah. No yeah, restraint, exactly. Yeah. So it's this weird sort of process of saying it's a both. You know, we we've got to be careful with both, and as always, virtue is in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's a both okay. and. Like I think I think that I don't know, and you guys can disagree with me, but I think maybe the balance is recognizing, okay, I'm, I'm dating you, I'm pursuing you. As we get closer, I want you. I want to be with you in a sexual way. And that's okay. I'm not going to necessarily act on that. Right. Yeah. But that's okay. That's okay that the desire's there. I don't have to get rid of that desire. No. It, it, it still has its, it, its space. Mm-hmm. But then there's going to be a point of time where I can let that desire more um, act out on that desire but if that desire is not there in the first place like then then it is it's yeah it's, it's a intellectual i really like that distinction like saying i want this but i don't have to act on it yeah yes and please discuss that desire with your fiance yes please 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 yeah. you know what the worst that. thing i ever heard I, the worst thing i ever heard on this topic i heard from a well-meaning catholic friend she said she she said that um, you know the way she always thought she heard this from some authoritative speaker thank my God I don't know who uh, <laughs> but she always thought that the way to approach you know um, courtship dating and uh, engagement was to sort of you know have the same same disposition towards your significant other that you would have to a brother or sister no until you get married no. <laughs> A no. brother or no. sister? But at this First of all, that's super right, that's weird. That's freaky. Weird. You're not, you're not no. going to marry a brother or sister. No. But also, right, because I think I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard that taught. I think it's... A, is that your spouse you should love as a brother or sister. I've heard that. 
No, you and should love them as, as someone that you're pursuing romantically in order to one day, like, fulfill all fulfill I think I know where that the... comes from, though. The book of Tobit, where he he gets out of bed and, like, starts the prayer. It's like, come, my sister, let's pray. Like, whatever that verse is. That's a mistranslation. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a bad yeah. translation. And the book of Tobit is yeah. the last place you would want that. That's, yeah. like, their... But let's, I mean, let's, that... let's even look at it from a neuroscience perspective and kind of Bring it in. turn this into... Yes of therapy because if you're practicing that right if even at some point of time early in the relationship you go okay i have to love this person as a brother or sister i have to not think about this person in a sexual way not that you want to sexually fantasize about that no, person no, so i'm not saying that no, to a degree to a degree <laughs> i <laughs> okay yeah, okay to a degree. <laughs> like you want to know that you want to sleep with that person yeah 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 but if you try to shut that off, you're building that neural pathway that you are str- every time you decide to do that, you are strengthening that. Mm-hmm. You are strengthening that habit, that trigger yeah. that's not going to be turned off once you say your wedding vows. That's right. That's right. You have to rebuild a whole new muscle. You have to. There, yeah. And, and, I, and I just want to. I just want to um, state here yeah. as as an Eastern Catholic. Wedding vows or you're crowned okay. in Byzantine marriage. Yes. Okay. I love that. Sorry, the crowning ahead. ceremony. There was yeah. just a segment on uh, NPR or whatever. Uh, this, uh, <laughs> you left us. To... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, they're... No. They have great voices, okay? They do. They have, like, actually... <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, there's, you know, uh, um, uh, a segment uh, on this book about purity culture in the evangelical church that this woman wrote who kind of like escaped from that and talked about how there was this like inordinate expectation to be an asexual being until your wedding night mm-hmm. and then this inordinate expectation to fulfill your husband's every fantasy after your wedding night and the incongruence between those two things is like shocking like exactly yeah. like you're talking about what well, we know now I mean we've, we've always known this at least Aristotle did maybe Evagrius on a good day. Definitely a But now, you know, with neuroscience, it's inexcusable not to know this. That, like, you know, you're essentially, you know, what you rehearse day in, day out in your thoughts and behavior um, shapes your character, right? Because that's the, exactly what you're saying. Those are, like, the neural networks that are being formed. And so, you know, if you've conditioned yourself to think about sexuality in negative terms, you're not going to suddenly feel liberated, free, and, and at ease sexually with your spouse on your wedding night if that's been, like, the taboo topic of sin, death, and fear of hell for your entire yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. So are you implying, as I hope you are, that it's okay to snuggle with your spouse, with your future spouse, before you, uh, before you're married? We cuddle on a yeah. couch while you're watching but, a movie. But <gasps> even, even, even discuss you while you're in there, okay. <laughs> okay, but even discuss while you're cuddling on the couch. You know what? Right now, you know what I would really like to do. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Just say things out loud and acknowledge yeah. them as things. And because know what that does? Bring back to attachment. I want you. Yes. I want to be close to you. I want you as mine. Like, I, I want that connection. You're important. Yes. Yeah, and you know, we're a Catholic podcast in here. Let's be clear about what we're saying and what we're not saying. If, if the way you're... Um, significant other, you know, response to that is by saying, yeah, I want that too. Like, let's go. And you're, you've been dating for six months or you've just gotten, like, 
No, I mean, that's a huge red yeah. flag. So what you want what you want to see from them in that moment is that they can reciprocate while having self-control. I think dating yes. is a great yes. time to test yes. that. So a green flag is that your spouse shows you, yes, they're a sexual being. Yes, they desire you. And they love you enough to restrain themselves and say, and you know what? That's why I can't wait to be yours. Yeah. A red flag is them saying, yeah, like, let's go. Let's do it. Or, no, I have no interest. What are you talking about? That's a red that's flag, a too. <laughs> that's a red flag, too. Or, no, And, you okay. know, there, there is such a thing, that's too. Really I, I, I've, I've, I've worked with, you know, Don't men, think that. porn-induced yeah. um, sexual apathy. Yes. You know, from yep. this oversaturation. It absolutely is. Yeah, it's have absolutely. You, have you seen that as well? Uh, or like her I mean, I, I, yeah. I have, I have, cl- uh, not clinically, but I've, 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 in the research, I've seen that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I think there's a whole, there's a whole podcast right there. But mm-hmm. um, I do think that there is this, this need to kind of think in the terms of how does it, how do we not run away from that, but yet also be, um, but keep it within self control. Well, and I, I, I think that's there because, especially within the Catholic world, NFP has that demand for self-control even within marriage at certain times and there's a lot of there's plenty of talks that you can hear about the wonders and the beauties of that and you can go read all that but what's really important about that is to say that marriage needs to be absolutely sexual in its nature and its characteristic but it's also more than that as well Mm -hmm. and therefore dating has to not intercourse but have a characteristic of sexuality within it that is not completely fulfilled, obviously, right. but has to have that within the dating, really probably staged development of this, but especially before marriage, there has to be a sexual characteristic to it that is ultimately not fulfilled, but also a self-discipline within that. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, a lot of people well lack self-discipline in general. Yeah. So when they enter into this sort of context, they don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah. yeah. I actually think, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, no, no, but... No, no, no. I actually think the the denial, right? Because I was talking about how in that moment of just admitting, admitting your desire, opening up, verbally saying it. Because I think some people try to repress that. No, I don't really want that right now. I shouldn't want that right now. She's not my spouse, right? And you try to bury it. You try to bury it. And then you're kissing. And then you're making out. And you're still telling yourself, no, you don't want that. Yeah. No, you don't want that. You're like splitting. Yeah, and then the next, but the That's next thing you know, is. though, but then you don't do anything to stop yourself, mm-hmm. because the whole time you're telling yourself you don't really want that. Yeah. That's. And then you find yourself in temptation. So common, yeah. Because you didn't expect to go there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's like the psychoanalysts call that splitting. Like, like it's like it's like you have to dissociate a little bit to do that, and that's really scary because that's precisely when you have the least control over your faculties. Rather than if you admit it straight up front, then you can decide in that moment of yeah, we're just so yeah. We're We're gonna act for the higher end, which is like we're gonna we're gonna work towards the goal of having that when the time is right. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, Should we? I mean. you know, again, just briefly, you know, state that um, the church the church has an understanding of sexuality that teaches that, you know, ultimately it is ordered to the ends of procreation and uh, the union of the couple. Now Deacon Basil's turning his head because this is some sort of Western stuff. But it's really, you know, popes, pope after pope has reaffirmed this. I mean, so... I. I think that I think this points to actually a deeper theological question. Sure, go for it. Which is, you know, what is the means of marriage? And I think what this is, does is that I think 
I don't think it's a primarily West, I mean, I think it's a universal church issue where it's to say this is the universal teaching of the church whatsoever. Yeah. And that's not the church of the church fathers or of medieval scholasticism Correct. or of really anything up until sort of the post-Reformation stage where it says this is the way in which the faith is and if you don't believe this then you're completely out of view. No, I mean, Catholicism I, is a big umbrella. A big right, thing. right. And I think, I think theology, just like philosophy, just like biology, like there's debate about these things. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of times the laity sometimes think that, okay, well, this is the way it is. This is the, the universal teaching of the church, and this is just the way it is. Where I, I actually do believe that the end of marriage is both procreative and unitive, yeah. I also think that you can exaggerate one to the other. Correct. And sure. I think sometimes we fixate on procreative. And I think personally, psychologically... I fight against that well, cause you by saying it's the unitive. in your office. Right. Yeah. I've, I've seen couples where the, the wife literally says to the husband, I did my duty, I had my children, and I'm never having sex with you again. Oh. That tells you so much about both of them and the yeah. way they were formed. Yeah. Yeah. What, you know, one historian I heard put it well, Christianity is not a fertility cult. Oh, my gosh. So going back to NPR, I heard this, like... Fascinating story. I was just flipping through channels. No one's going to listen to this podcast ever again. <laughs> because now they know that Sarah and I have listened to NPR. I listened to NPR classical, okay? It's classical music, whatever. I, no, so I, I, I totally know. I, I listened to it too, but I'm now like, I'm all weirded out. Yeah, I didn't know anybody not. except me listened to that. Go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. So there's a story about a quiverful colt. Mm. So you know that verse in the Psalms? Um, a man's children are like arrows in a quiver. It's the Duggar family. Yeah. It's kind of like them. Yeah. 28 and counting or whatever. Something like that. Oh my goodness. But yeah, it's the idea that the woman had to have as many children as possible in order for her husband's quiver to be full. So as soon as you were fertile again after having the last baby, you were expected to get pregnant right away. I just threw up Whew. for the listeners. I just have so many smart like jokes that I <laughs> want to make, but they'd be completely inappropriate, so I'm not going to go there. But I do think... Isn't that awful? Well, this is this is a radically post-modern... Like, the, the, this within the church, this is a relatively new view, actually. It's, that's not a Catholic um, view. That's not that a Catholic view. not a Catholic but view at the, all. The, the, it influences the Catholic church. Yes. That mindset does. I, I mean, this is why everybody was like... Oh, Pope Francis said we don't have to breed like rabbits. What a thought! Now, I think he mistran I think he was mistranslated a little bit. But still, I think there's that. Don't have to have twelve children. No, reasonably spaced births. Right, and you don't have to have you don't have to have twelve children, and that that most people historically actually had more limited. We always talk about the size of families, but that is actually a very fluid thing that has developed over time. Yeah, and infant mortality. That's the biggest shift too. Is the drop in infant mortality in the twentieth century. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. the United States is actually the most dangerous developed country for mothers giving birth, which I think is interesting. But in other countries, like, you can have a baby perfectly safely. Isn't and that you so don't fascinating? Need, yeah. well, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. that 320 million people, I mean, it's a larger... I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that. Mm -hmm. But I think we also have to say that it is, it is something to think about. Yeah. I... I, I am of the opinion, both theologically and clinically, that couples should not have their first child for the first 18 months. And I know so many couples who are trying to have the honeymoon baby. Now, if it happens, it happens. If it happens, it happens. And I think that's extraordinarily important to say. If it yeah. happens, it happens. 
and that's how Every it works. Every child is a gift. And that's God, a great and gift, and, and absolutely, and, and I, I can put as many caveats into that statement sure. as possible without saying, I still think that having 18 months, 12 months, 18 sure. months, or a, a period of time mm-hmm. before you jump into having a, um, the kid, uh, the sure. kid, your first kid, is very important because okay. it, it, it solidifies the importance of the marriage first. Yeah, and, that, and experience sure. sexual. The I, 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 I agree with you need to figure out who you are as a couple, as a married couple, right. before you, you mm-hmm. enter kids in that. I do, I would just argue the time frame, mm. just because I think every couple's different. Every couple, you know, a couple might be getting, I know a couple that just got married, they're in their late 30s and early 40s. Yeah. So, like, Absolutely. The 18th, the 18th, Absolutely. Yeah, the 18th month mark right. is no, no, necessarily no, no. going to work for them. So I, I don't want to overgeneralize No, no, no. And, 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 I, and that is an absolutely val- valid point as well, is that you know, I live in, in a world of people getting married in their mid to late 20s. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, you know, you're absolutely right. And there are medical reasons. And, there's, yeah. and, the, and for every, as with all things, everything I say should be taken into a consideration based off of their personal and situation. Yeah, the the, the pop checks who are you know a Christian council they have a Christian counseling program. The pastoral solutions. Pastoral solutions. Yes. Uh, put it well. You can't you can't do good parenting without good marriaging. Yes. So yeah. you want to build that firm foundation Absolutely. with your spouse so that you can actually have a thriving family. That actually, when your kids come, the marriage still stays first. Yes. Yeah. Because I think that's extremely well. And uh, Sarah's point, you know, your um. You know, the, the, your love of God stays first. Because if you're not trying to be a saint on your own, yeah, then it's going to be so much harder to be a saint with your spouse. And as a parent. And as oh, a parent. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, that's another, that's like the myth, right? Is it like, if I, you know, I mean, it's true. I have seen this phenomenon where people do mature. When, they, when, they're, when, the, when the kids come, they rise to the occasion. Right. But, the, the, it's no automatic guarantee of sanctity. Getting married or having kids doesn't automatically boost your like virtue score. Not that there is. Wait, such wait, a thing. wait! Life isn't like a video game. <laughs> I don't hit the box so, and get a coin. You know, I'm supposed right. to get a coin. Work, work on all these things, right? Like the mar- see the marriage prep episode about this. You know, this is- yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I would personally say that. I would say that at a certain point, my chances of salvation have dropped. Over the years, probably the one that probably makes me the most concerned is being ordained to the diaconate. Like my chances of salvation are, are, are concerning. Please pray for me. But my point about oh, this is, that, oh, I know, please. <laughs> but my point about this is that I, the demands of life don't go away. They get more intense. Yeah. The diaconate was the most intense, but like being, a, well, probably parenthood was the most intense, but like. To, to carve out that ability to, to, to find sanctity is going to be, um, is going to be needed whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're um, ordained, whether you're lay, whatever that is, it's very, very necessary. And I think I, to, to, to keep that in mind, just the pure amount of time for prayer yeah. is gone, mm-hmm. you know, and that you know, it's, it, it, it's absent for um, most parents because it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you're literally getting woken up yeah. to change that 12th diaper for that day, you know? Yeah. Or start again, the 12 diapers. You know, and I think, I think that, that, that that's there. That can bring about sanctity in, a, mm-hmm. in its own way, but we have to be very careful with saying that that's, you know, that that's a given. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so maybe, you know, encouraging our single listeners to develop a good prayer life now so that it persists. As Absolutely. Much as able to. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, so we, we just, you know, we, we have a whole other, I think we filled another episode up with content here about sexuality, so any closing thoughts here? On this well, one? the marriage episode um, is actually going to be one on, and I, I'm, I'm just very, very curious your quick reflections on this, but it's actually, it's about the, the beauty, and I have to be careful with how this is put, but it's called the beauty of casual sex within a marriage, hmm. that sometimes it can become this, this... Um, divine event, you know, with the seriousness of of a high mass, you know, as opposed to <laughs> being something, yeah, incense and everything else. Um, polyphonic chant, going right? On in the background <laughs> gets you in the mood. But that it's that it's important to have sort of that that human side very yeah. much. I'm curious if there's any thoughts about that. I think that's very incarnational. One thing I'm always kind of fighting against is, is this Gnostic heresy. And I think part of that is my, you know, scholastic temperament that, like, the body is important. And so if, if, if sex is a sacrament that's consummated in a bodily act, then we should uh, be all about that. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Well, you guys, do you think Deacon's a heretic or is he still safe? We'll ask his wife. Yeah. yeah. She knows him best. She knows me best. Yeah. yeah. I think really the big takeaway from this is that we need to get away from moist food. And I think we should probably <laughs> just end really? that there. Uh, really? You had to go there. I had to go there, yeah. Okay. Oh, so fun. All right. So maybe we'll catch y'all next time on hopefully we'll see if it's the third installment <laughs> of our <laughs> never ending saga of sex, marriage, and dating. Well, well this just goes to show how important it is. It does. Just in that order. Yeah. 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 Well, right. we'll see you next time on the Catholic Bye. Psyche.